Hello and welcome to the PopBreak.com's official Oscars podcast, hosted by Marissa Carpico and Matt Taylor. Taylor, podcaster at thepopbreak.com. I'm here, as always, with the film editor of The Pop Break, Marissa Carpico. Say hi, Marissa. Hello. And this is our um, two early Oscar podcasts, our mini-sodes about the different Oscar categories. Um, we are focusing today on best original score and uh, perhaps my least favorite of the categories that weren't <laughs> added this year, uh, best original song. <laughs> Which um, is cursed as ever amongst <laughs> the um, across these five nominations, but uh, mm. we're gonna we're gonna say that for the ends. We're in the midst of a marathon recording session, so I want our best original song conversation to be as insane as possible. So we're saving it for the very end. Uh, let's dive right into score. Um, the nominees are uh, my my composer boyfriend Nicholas Bertel for uh, "Don't Look Up." Uh, Hans Zimmer for Dune. Our composer boyfriend. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, Jermaine Franco for um, Encanto. Uh, Alberto Iglesias for Parallel Mothers. And Johnny Greenwood for The Power of the Dog. Uh, since we share uh, Nicholas Bertel as a composer boyfriend, you, you can start, uh, Marissa, with what are your thoughts on his nomination for Don't Look Up? Um. I don't think realistically we have talked about don't look up prior to this episode because it's nominated a lot. So you know how much I hate this film. I don't like the film. However, Nicholas Patel is probably one of the best working composers. And I could not hate the score, even as I was re-listening to it by itself. There's a little motif that he plays a lot in it. That's that works. And Listen, if he, whatever involvement he had in the Ariana Grande song, that's going to win me over. I'm Ariana Grande's biggest fan. Matt's heard my 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 dissertation on Ariana Grande. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, the music is good. It's 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 a pretty good score. It's a fairly traditional score. Um, you know, it probably keeps that movie going in in a way. I mean, the editing is also making it move along but at least um the editing is incoherent but the score at least uh, is keeping you on a theme realistically so i like the score just fine i would hate if this were the thing that nicholas Bertel won for we've talked about him many times before in previous years he'll do other other better work so i hope he doesn't win for it but i wouldn't be mad because he's he's our boyfriend yeah it's like uh you know, listen, I, I'm not going to talk about Succession again. I could, I'm not going to, <laughs> but you all know, come on. I was at a hockey game yesterday and the organ player played the Succession theme song. I was no. like, I was like, are you joking? The power of Succession. Um, but Adam McKay won't leave the cast and crew of Succession alone. And it's, mm. it's, it's tiring. And um, watching Don't Look Up in uh, the theater uh, a few months oh, ago at this point. Right, you saw it in the theater. God. I did, I did. But with my draft test membership, so I, I did not pay for the ticket, thankfully. But um, 
but and I had a lovely salad while eating it. It was, it was a, <laughs> you know, it, like honestly the best the best way of watching the movie. But listening to the score, I felt like that like bridesmaids let scene like oh shit that's fresh and everything where it's just like yeah. it's a great score in a movie that I don't care for. <laughs> and um, I was like, you know, he's he's so talented, and I agree completely. It's like don't let him win for this, especially like. I have to assume eventually Adam McKay will make a good movie again. I have to hold on to that. And I'm like, if he's going to work with him, hopefully it'll be for that. Maybe for whatever Barry Jenkins does, does next, he'll do the score for that and he'll get it. Please. Uh, yeah, honestly, it's like, he's such a good composer. And I'm like, don't let him, don't let this be his first win, basically. Because it's, it's good, but it is already in a relatively short career, comparatively speaking, like a minor work in a in a career basically so i'm like all right cool like we love that he's continuing to give us good things but i want i want more for his first win um i i still i forget he didn't win for beale street that's a crime to be honest i was just gonna say beale street is like literally one of the best scores of this of the last decade it's it's so crazy that he didn't win for that it's crazy embarrassing um all right let's go on to somebody who you know a legend essentially um <laughs> we're talking about Hans Zimmer for Dune and um I mean yeah like it's like this is one of the best scores of the year uh yeah. it is Hans Zimmer you know at this point he could phone it in and I mean realistically he probably has at some point because the man just works and works and works and works and I like I probably said even about some of his scores that it feels like he's phoning it in here it just you know like everything with this movie that we both love so much like everyone's at the top of their game and it's just it is a great Hollywood blockbuster in the way that I so desperately wanted and um you know do I think the score will be as iconic as some of his most iconic work no but like it doesn't need to be it's it's really really good and um i think he's doing great work and i would love to see him get an oscar for it i i wouldn't be surprised if he does get the oscar for it and uh you know it's deserved i i i do think the more and more we get closer to it that dune's going to have just a real technical sweep sweep this year and uh this will be this will be part of that i think yeah what about you i'm a I'm a Hans Zimmer ho. I will say that. I mean, I've loved Hans Zimmer for a long time. He, it, it's like realistically, he's done some of the most iconic um, scores of our lifetime. And and there are things that sound similar. Like there are parts in Gladiator that I think we mentioned it in the Gladiator podcast that like there are parts in the Gladiator score that sound like Pirates of the Caribbean to me. So there's like motifs he uses. But like listen, everybody does that. Bernard Herrmann did that. And Bernard Herrmann is one of the great the greatest, you know, composers of all time. But um, yeah, the Dune one feels like, is the kind of thing it's like, every time I think Hans Zimmer is like, can't do anything new, he does something like this that just like feels completely different from, or not completely different, but like feels, um, feels like something new for him in a way that maybe it hasn't sounded like something he's done in a couple years or something. It just, it's, it's surprising. And like, that movie is so technically perfect in every way, pretty much. And the score is part of that. Like, that score is used in the trailer, and it's part of what makes the trailer so good. And it's, makes, it's what makes 
the the film feel have this like really epic um massive feel and there's a lot of things that contribute to that but the score is one of them and you know listen Hans Zimmer's just like a great composer what can you do he's still in he's still churning shit out like you know 400 movies in or whatever <laughs> like you gotta respect it <laughs> you know what I mean like he's still doing great work he did like seven movies last year like the fact that you can tell one from the other is incredible realistically yeah he it's it's a really really good score and um you know i i it's funny he only has one oscar and i just think of like the work he's done in movies that i don't particularly like uh particularly i'm thinking of his score in interstellar which is um a score I think is phenomenal in a movie that I, I don't like at all. And um, I'm like, you know, he deserves more than one Oscar. And I, I, I think if he gets it for Dune, that would be a really nice, just like everything lined up just right sort of moment. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Let's talk about uh, Jermaine um, Franco for uh, Encanto. She is, I, I just learned today, actually, right before we recorded, she's the, the first woman to score a Disney animated feature film. Um, oh. But also, she's um, the first Latina to be nominated um, for this Oscar, um, for the Best Original Score mm-hmm. Oscar. So that's really, really cool. And, um, you know, watching Encanto, I think, um, like, I mean, I don't blame them for this because, uh, you know, look at what happened with Frozen it felt like it's like, okay, we're almost like this is a, a workshop for a musical that's going to go on Broadway. And um, and I mean that as a compliment because it is just like, you know, it's a good score, I think. And, um, you know, it kept me involved in a way that the story did not, to be frank. Like mm. at this point, Maybe you, you I, I, we haven't worked out which order we're releasing things yet, but we literally just recorded our animated, um, cat, our animated episode, and I was saying how I thought that Encanto had real, just like structure problems in terms of its story, but what kept me invested in it, I think, was the music on a big part and everything, and I think it's a, good, it's, it's a, it's good work, a good score, um, and you know, it's interesting to see a Disney film make the original score lineup. And I think, like, I think it's just fascinating because even with, you know, the behemoths like Frozen, that didn't happen. And I, I just think it's an interesting turn and I, it's, it's good work. I think. What do you think, Marissa? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty straightforward, like, uh, you know, big Hollywood, uh, family film score. Uh, it, it didn't like, um, it didn't blow me away uh, in the way that, like, I think it's, for me, it's maybe the, probably the least interesting of the group. Because uh, um, it just feels like straightforward stuff. Um, it's not bad, though. It just didn't um, jump out to me in the way that the the other the others did. Because, like, I remember when I was, like, re-listening to the score, and some of them I didn't even need to re-listen to, like, re-listening the scores for for this recording I was like this is the one that like every one of them I was like I could remember specific images from it and like even recalling back during the movie thinking about like the music in that moment or something but this one it just didn't like it didn't have that same impact and I think that's probably because there are like literal songs in it too so of course I would think of those first um 
how could you compare? How can instrument an instrumental compare with? We don't talk about Bruno. It can't. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is charting and the other isn't. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's fine. I don't think it's bad, but I I don't think it like it didn't re-listening to it didn't it didn't speak to me in any way. And 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 if you've listened to these these episodes before, um, you know we're big score people, so um, it takes it doesn't take a lot realistically for a score to jump out for me. Um, and if it doesn't, then, you know, I think there's not much for me to, if I'm not connecting to it, then it's maybe it's, it's just not for me. That's fair. Um, the, the Bruno of it all does hang over the song categories, to be (laughs) honest. Um, all right. Um, next we'll talk about, uh, parallel mothers. The score is by Alberto Iglesias. Um, this is a score that I remember sitting at the New York Film Festival where I saw Parallel Mothers and um, being like, this whole movie is just melodrama, like peak melodrama, like in the way that Amadover knows how to deliver. And the score is a major component of that. It is such a such a melodramatic score in the best way. And I just think like, you know, it's a movie that I imagine trying to sell it to some people uh, (laughs) because of like the way the plot goes is a tough sell because it's like, I, I, this is, you know, how I view most of Oscar season because most of Oscar season I spend on the phone with my parents and they're just like, should we watch (laughs) this one? Should we watch this one? And I was like, this is one where I'm like, I don't know how my parents would react to some of the plot moments, but I'm also like, listen, the score above all else is telling the audience like, this is mm-hmm. a melodrama and i think mm-hmm. it like that's instrumental to the movie succeeding and um i was thrilled to see this get nominated i just think it's it is such a cool uh choice from the academy honestly and um i don't know if it'll win but i would love to see it win to be honest what, yeah. what about you yeah you know what i like about it is that you're right it is a melodrama score but it's also a hitchcock court kind of score like mm-hmm. i kept watching it thinking like this this person is doing like because it is sort of a thriller. It's like it's a it's a melodrama thriller realistically. Uh, so it's on some level he is quoting uh, like the this the sort of the oral like memory of Bernard Herrmann's scores. Like it reminds me of Psycho in a weird way, or mm-hmm. or Vertigo or something. There's like and it's helping you build this tension because uh, there's like a lot of scenes that are just like sort of people reacting to things. You know, silence. And all you have to like add to that, to heighten that emotion is this music. And the music is so good throughout it. It's really, you know, melodramas are called that because the music is heightening all the emotion. And and you're right. This is a perfect melodrama score. And yet it is somehow also a thriller score. It, it I loved it. I remember being in the, in the theater thinking like, man, this is such a, such a good score. And then, yeah, I didn't like, not a lot of scores stood out to me this year. And that one, I was like, ah, oh, that one was really good. I'm so glad that got nominated. Yeah, it's a it's a thrill. I, I was so happy to see it here. I love when, like, <laughs> like just things line up in that way. And you're like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing I want, I got nominated. Um, all right, last score we'll talk, we're going to talk about is um, Johnny Greenwood's for The Power of the Dog. Marissa, what, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, admittedly a song or a score I didn't notice when I was listening or listening when I was watching the film. Um, if you've listened to any of the category episodes by now, you know that I, I'm not very hot on this film. Um, I will say listening to it on its own, I was like, why didn't I notice this score? 
because it's probably the most complex and varied of the group, I would say. Um, lots of different instruments being used, interesting instrumentation. Um, it's technically kind of a Western score, but not always. There's not the sort of like plunky guitar stuff you would expect to hear in a Western, let's say, <laughs> um, which makes sense because it's also not a traditional Western. Um, and I, I confess I'm not a huge Greenwood fan. I know there's like really big Greenwood fanatics out there, but I have not cared about his career, period. Um, <laughs> and this is good. I don't want him to win it because I, I just don't. I like I almost think the, the score listening to it on its own is almost so varied that it doesn't feel like there's a cohesive thread. And maybe that's why I never noticed it in the film. Um like the other ones have clear themes and motifs that return and sort of like help tell the narrative. But I kept listening to these being truly like, have I actually ever heard this before? Even though I know I watched that film. So I don't know. It, it's, it feels the least essential of the group to me to its film. I would say. Um, I, unsurprisingly to those who listen, I love the score. Uh, the, um, there's a guitar strum that plays throughout the film, particularly like at like the the transitioning between acts, so to speak, in the structure that like just lives in my head basically right now. And um, I think it's really, really a, a score that when I'm watching the film, I just think it's so matches the tone of what Jane Campion's going for in like, like you said, the non-traditional Western of like, this is taking the instruments you might hear and some you wouldn't hear in a Western score and doing something sort of meditative with it almost. And I'm not a huge Greenwood fan either. I mean, like outside of his cinematic uh, work, I'm just not a big Radiohead fan. Um, But then on top of that, like I was really taken with his score and what's it called? Phantom Thread. But um, other than that, I, never really stood out to me in any particular way but um i think here i was really really uh you know invested in what was going on with it and i think it's it's just you know it really works for me in terms of what the film's going for in a movie that you know i was obsessed with this year so uh it makes sense that this is yet another facet of it that i just i i just love so much um do you uh have any or what do you think's going to take this one home because i'm i'm sort of stuck between like thinking they could give it to encanto because they want to reward the music in that film and how popular it is but i could i i the the my gut is saying go with hans Hans zimmer yeah i i actually think you're right i think it's gonna be zimmer um simply because he's got the like he's got the history and the like the career behind him um, and this feels like a substantial score and maybe like, uh, in a bigger way than maybe he has in the last like couple years or whatever, cause he's, you know, he's consistent. He constantly is working, but this feels like a big leap for him in a, in a different direction maybe, or like in a way that like the other like six scores or whatever he wrote this year, don't quite feel. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think everybody else is maybe, I mean, people like Greenwood, but uh, it's hard to tell if that's industry or just like film people, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. like film Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love, I mean, my uh, personal favorite is Iglesias, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, 
But I guess I wouldn't be mad at any of these realistically. I mean, Encanto is the one I'm the coolest on, but you know, I think they're all interesting scores for the most part, or very different scores. So it's it's hard to say. It's really hard to say. It's yet another category this year where I'm like, this can go a thousand ways, and I I love it. I I love having mm. an Oscar year where I'm like, I'm there's just some categories where I'm like, I don't know which way this is going to go. And um, on to that note. Let's talk about my least favorite category, the the most chaotic, which this year, like, the chaos is, is still here, but, like, honestly, like, in a way where I'm sort of, like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like... Did you have what... any alternates for score, though? Oh, yeah. Thank you for keeping me on track. I, um... Um, Listen, you you spend all year putting that list together. I'd hate for you to you know have to throw it out. Like I think of, I think about your anger of throwing out your your picks for the Oscar reel moment all the time and, and the just betrayal <laughs> of it. So you know, I don't want that to happen on a small scale. Thank you for keeping me on track. Um, I have two that I did want. To, do you have any or? Um, yeah, I have two as well. Yeah. So I think one of them we might have in common, but the, um, one that I was so impressed by, and I was like genuinely hoping made it in the five and at this point you know i have beaten this drum so many times but like king richard is a movie that i just think has been like genuinely ignored in a way or dismissed in a way that i i find troubling the score is one of them i think the score is so good for this movie it just perfectly matches the big uh studio movie tone like Hollywood movie tone of mm. the film and it kept me involved and just on a technical level that film kept me riveted in a way that sports movies just never have <laughs> and I um you know I think the score is a big part of it and like I was just really taken with it it's a score that I, I remember and I can distinctly remember scenes where the music actively helped me stay invested in it so you know that's one of mine what, what about you that's such a good choice I, I didn't think about that, but that is a great choice. Um, one one of mine is, um, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it's Dick and Hinchliffe for The Lost Daughter, which is mm. a, a fucking weird score and a difficult score because it's more like atmospheric and unnerving um, than melodic, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it is subtly helping create the horrific tension of that film, which is so palpable and memorable about it. Um, and uh, he's, he's done some stuff before, like, um, uh, like, uh, Leave No Trace, which I like, uh, which is a great film, honestly. And like Ben is back, which I, I confess I barely remember. Um, but it's very, that's very, you know, this had Oscar buzz kind of film, but like, um, yeah, I, I, it's. It wasn't when I thought of immediately, but when I was looking through films, I was like, you know what? That is a score that I, like, at the time was like, God, this is so weird and so, like, deliberately helping create this mood. And, you know, it's it's probably a little too um, abstract, possibly, for to be nominated here, but an interesting score, at least, that I think is worth listening to a little bit. Maybe not for enjoyment, but just for, like, you know, score buffs like you and I, realistically. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a good pick. Um, I should also mention, I forgot to say, the composer of King Richard is Chris Bowers. Um, gotta give the credit where credit's due. And my last choice, um, which is the one I think we we maybe have in common, is um, Mika Levy for Zola, um, which is just like, Zola is such a well-crafted film on so many levels. And mm-hmm. 
the way the score reminds you that you are watching a movie that is about and inspired, like, literally adapting social media uh, without making it feel gimmicky is so clever. And um, it also just adds to the tone in a really, because that movie is such a unique tone where it like, mm-hmm. will simultaneously feel like a, a, a road trip uh, comedy and a horror film and, um, you know, a character <laughs> study all at the same time. And that score, you know, has a tough job and it completely sells it. Really good work from one of, I think, our most interesting composers uh, working. I mean, Make Believe is Jackie score, uh, like, obsessed. The, br- the blueprint. Yes, the blueprint. the blueprint. So I loved it. Again, I never thought Zola would get an Oscar nomination. It is not an Oscar film, but it would have been nice if they at least noticed this one. <laughs> Yeah, that actually wasn't one of mine. Mine was more of, you know, a sort of jokey one. But honestly, I'm I'm that you're completely right. I forgot about the Zola one, because the other thing that's great about that score is that it integrates sounds of social media into it, which is the whole point of this this film. You know, it doesn't exist without a, a viral Twitter th- thread that that is a great score. That's a really good score that would have been so nice to see because it's like experimental and interesting, but also integral and like playful. That's a really good score. That's a good call. What's your jokey one? Oh, Malignant. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Because it's got that, that, that nutso, um, it's such a, that movie's for sickos, it really is. It's like, it's got that nutso, like, um, where is my mind reference that when I, when it started, I was like, are they just fully stealing where is my mind? I was like, you can't just do that. And apparently it's like a mix of that song or it's like a, you know, a, a cover of that song, which I didn't realize. But the first time I heard it, I was like, you could, you could just do that. But they can. But they did. Sickos, all of them. Um, but, like, the fun thing about it is that it, like, um, that, that cover is by Safari Riot, by the way. Um, but the fun thing about that score, as it is, is that it's sort of this, like, guitar-heavy, ridiculous, overwrought like baroque sounding score that is perfect for the nutso tone of that film mm-hmm. which is and and narrative of that film which is completely ridiculous and so surprising <laughs> and such a delight i mean you know we we both joked i think at the time when we watched it like is this best picture because and you know what it it is still one of the most like most fun movies I watched last year. I had so much fun watching that movie. And the score is like, maybe not like art, but it is fun. And honestly, sometimes you just need that. I had such a blast. Malignant is so, it's so good. Oh my yes. God. Like, so movies fun. are great. Um, okay. <laughs> Cinema. <laughs> Cinema. All right, let's talk about best original song. Um, chaotic as ever, to be honest. Um, the nominees are be Alive from King Richard. Uh, this is by Dixon and Beyonce Knowles, Beyonce Knowles Carter. I, I'm just reading off the Wikipedia, and I was like, <laughs> it feels funny to refer to Beyonce by her real, like, her full name. But um, <laughs> uh, Beyonce Knowles Carter. Uh, Dos Origitas from Encanto. Music and lyrics by Lynn manuel Miranda. Uh, Down to Joy from Belfast by Van Morrison. No Time to Die from No Time to Die. Uh, Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell. And then um, the one we're going to say for last, uh, some somehow you do from um, from Four Good Days by Diane Warren. Um, 
let's start with uh, the one that I truly have nothing to say about beyond okay, and that's uh, Down to Joy, the, the Morrison one. Um, I don't know. I like. Listen, we don't have to get into Van Morrison as a as a figure, but right. um, yeah. But I um, I just you know, it's it's. I don't even want to say dad rock because I don't even think that's even fair to say anymore. But it's more like yeah, granddad rock at this point, and it's like you know that's fine. You know, I'm happy for those who get enjoyment out of this one. I don't necessarily think the song is bad, but um, of all the Belfast nominations, this is the one where I'm probably most like, all right, like we're riding some coattails here, and that's that's all that's all I have to say. What what about you, Marissa? <laughs> I was I was uh, I was raised on Van Morrison's music, uh, loved Van Morrison's music. Um, yikes! Uh, as a person these days, mm-hmm. on some level, you know, the Joker in me wants to see him win and go up on that stage and say horrific shit because you know he would, you know he would. I, although I, who knows if they would let him in? Um, and I may I don't know if I mentioned it in the other <laughs> the other episodes by this point that you've heard. Um, but I do, I do want chaos this year, and 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 the chaos of him winning would be the most chaotic of this cursed selection of of songs and films. Um, <laughs> this is like the second most cursed category besides the the the, the audience one, um, <laughs> which is has the darkest energy I've ever seen. But this is pretty dark, and him winning would be really dark. That said, the song is is a solid Van Morrison song. You know what it sounds like. If you heard one Van Morrison song, you know what this song sounds like. It is what what that is. The songwriting, the lyrics are fine. The music is fine. I, I think, honestly, like, if you like Van Morrison, sure. Musically, it's not the most interesting of the group. Lyrically, it's not the most interesting of the group. But people really like Belfast, and they like Van Morrison. So who knows what could happen? Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, chaos reigns. So, I, you know, I'm not rooting for it, but I... I wouldn't be unhappy to see that nightmare of a speech. It is funny how Van Morrison getting an Oscar, like, and having to give a speech might not be the most chaotic thing that happens during this awards year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> God. Um, anyway, um, next we'll talk. Let's talk about. Um, let's let's do No Time to Die. Uh, from No Time to Die. Uh, you're the Bond expert, Marissa. Where does this song rank in the Bond pantheon? That's a really good Bond song. It is a really good Bond song. If you've heard talk, um, uh, Billy, Billy and Phineas have talked about this on various talk shows, but as a writing exercise, as, bon, as, as, um, as songwriters, they've been writing Bond songs for years. Occasionally they'd be like, let's just do a writing exercise and write a Bond song. And they got asked to do one. And it's a good one. Not just on its not not just as part of the film, but on its own. And I'm actually not a big Billie Eilish fan. I think that that like I just think all of her stuff sounds the same. I wish she she can sing, so I wish she would do that instead of whispering at us. It just feels like ASMR singing in a way I'm not really interested in. And this is kind of that, but it builds in the way that a Bond song should. But her mood also fits the the film that you're watching realistically. No Time to Die is a downbeat Bond film. It's not Moonraker. It's not The Spy Who Loved Me. It's not a goofy sex comedy kind of thing where, where like, rockets go into space or there's a, you know, a, a underwater layer or something like that, right? It is 
a pretty character heavy and serious Bond film. And the song works for it. I like the song a lot. The first time I heard it, I was like, all right, this is a pretty good song. After seeing the film, I liked it even more. And honestly, it's been out for like two years now because they released it, um, you know, thinking that the movie was going to come out much earlier. Um, and I still like that song. It's a really solid Bond song. I have a playlist where I just listen to Bond themes uh, like all the time. And I'm always happy when this one comes on. And I can't say that about every one of them. Some of them suck <laughs> ass. <laughs> and this is a really good one. And probably in the in the modern pantheon, really very good. Like, you know, I probably still like something like Shirley Bassey, any of the Shirley Bassey ones better or like License to Kill better because it has that classic, you know, like almost wall of sound sort of thing. But this for a modern Bond bong song is exactly what you want. Like, it's like, if you take in the modern one, it's Adele and then this one. And this is a very good one. It's interesting because um, I watched, uh, but prior to No Time to Die, I had only seen Skyfall because everyone saw Skyfall. And um, because I knew you had to see the other Craig films to get this one, in the week leading up to No Time to Die, I watched all of them, um, all the Craig films. And um, it's very funny how much those, uh, Bond songs are just perfect time capsules of like mm-hmm. what music sound like the Alicia Keys Jack White song from <sighs> is just like I'm like oh my god like this is like like m- middle school punk rock era me was somehow allowed to make a like a, a a Bond song and it's like with that in mind approaching this one I I also never I haven't quite gotten on gotten into uh, Billie Eilish, no, you know she's very talented. It's more, I think, just like a, I'm, I'm too old, I think, to like, to like <laughs> fully get invested in her and everything like that. But um, sure. Well, the but, the like, song production is always interesting with the two of them. Yeah. The problem is it's so detailed and layered and almost music nerd uh, aimed that it is hard to like on a sort of pop level, if you will. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, I'm just kind of like. Not for me, but I, I absolutely see the talent. And also, she just seems like a very cool, refreshing celebrity persona, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, watching the song, I was I didn't hear the song before um, going into the theater because I was just kind of like, all right, like, let me see what like what we got here. I, I wasn't going to listen to the other song on my own accord. And I was like, oh, shit, like, this is cool. Like, it just it matches the vibe of the movie really well. Yeah. Um, it's like it's not distracting in the way that like um i forgot what it's even called um dun, 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 dun. yeah it's, it's like horrible <laughs> you I, like i can uh, my nightmares are scored by that fucking song well you <laughs> so mean, I mean, the is it written on written on the wall or something like that and something um, like that yeah yeah and i was just like that song is you know uh no offense to sam smith i like them a lot but i'm just like that that song I was like oh no this is terrible and then um and then you know like this is one where I was like it just works it works in terms Mm -hmm. of what it's trying to do it it's it's catchy it's interesting and um you know I'm I'm in I I would be happy to see it win even if it's not my like top choice here um and then also just the more Oscars no no time to die the better to be honest um all right another um Let's move on to another pop star, uh, Be Alive. Um, 
by Beyonce and Dixon from King Richard. Again, to belabor the point of the world disrespecting King Richard, uh, the 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 credits best original song nomination of like you know we got a pop star to come on and sing a song for the end credits is one of my least favorite parts of this category of just like you know like we're literally going to talk about a movie in a few um, minutes that like got terrible reviews and was not even originally released with the song and then it was added like you know a full year after its Sundance premiere and got a nomination. Ooh. Um, this, this, you know, this is my least favorite subgenre of this category. Uh, this song that plays over the end credits of King Richard is so fucking good where I'm just oh. like, I'm like, okay, like it should win on principle alone for like, <laughs> like making this subgenre of song that I can't stand, uh, not only tolerable, but like genuinely good. Like, I just think it's a very good song. Like. In Beyonce's whole, you know, songbook, is it her most memorable? No. Like, it'd be kind of funny if it's like, what is, like, 20 years from now being like, what was Beyonce's Oscar for again? Oh, yeah, that song from King Richard. But, like, you know what? In the moment I like of that movie, I was like, hell yeah, this is a good song. It reminds me a lot of last year's winner, um, Fight For You, from uh, Judas and the Black Messiah by, oh, yeah. her, by her, where it's like, you know, I mean, her is so young. But, like, so her career's only beginning. And you already know Fight For You is not going to be, like, the song she's remembered for. But it was, like, yeah, like, this is really good for this genre of song. And it's cool that we can give a pop star an Oscar and everything for this. And it's, like, Be Alive deserves the same uh, recognition in my mind. Especially, like, looking at the, the, four, the five nominees, it's, like, easily my pick. So I'm just, like, like, in terms of, like, what would I like to listen to at a given moment? So I'm like, yeah, give give this to Beyonce. Beyonce needs an Oscar at some point. And like, I don't know if she'll ever act again. I don't know if she'll ever, no disrespect to her, like give a performance that's going to get her an Oscar or anything like that. I'm like, give give her this Oscar, come on. Or, you know, maybe she'll go on for directing one day. That'd be pretty cool. But, um, you know, this is just a, like, give Beyonce an Oscar, y'all. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's like, I was watching the movie and I was going to just turn it off because the credits were starting. And then I was like, Oh shit, a Beyonce song. I'm going to leave this on. And then yeah. I did. So it's like, she justified me sitting through the the credits and there's not a lot of movies I'll sit through the credits for. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say what it is. Um, but like, yeah, it's a really good song. Cause I mean, like, look, Beyonce's a fucking master of the pop of pop music. And like, the the movie sort of needs a little punch of energy at the end just because of the way it, it, it ends. But I love the ending. I think it's a really nice note to end on. Um, but, you know, you want to walk out of a movie in a certain way. And I think part of the reason you leave that movie feeling the way you do is because of that song playing over the credits. And the mm-hmm. way it just starts up and it immediately has this energy. And it's like, it's the kind of song, like, usually these songs in this category, you, you never think you're going to listen to again. Unless it's like something culture shifting, right? Um, but this is a good song that I would, you know, if it came on somewhere, I'd be like, oh yeah, I like the song. Um, absolutely right. Far from Beyonce's best work, but her catalog is so fucking stacked that how could it be? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, yeah, just what a, you know, King Richard, I, 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 in, 
I'm gonna fucking beat the king of the drum for as long as I can because I am just like I, I sat in that theater and I was like, this is the movie everyone's dismissing. Okay. Yeah. But um, you know, we'll go back to that eventually. You'll listen to our best picture episode. Um all right. Dos Origitas, um what from Encanto. Uh what are your thoughts on this one, Marissa? Um, nice song. Not sure why it's the one that was chosen. Um you know, I think I think we have to address the 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 don't we don't talk about Bruno in the room, even though we're not supposed to talk about him. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, one of there is a song that's charting from this film, and it's not this one. This is a lovely song. It's in Spanish, which is you know thrilling to see in this category. Um, but it's a it's a ballad essentially. Um, or well, I mean, it's that's what it's. I mean, that's the the sound of it. You know what I mean? Like. Um, we don't talk about Bruno as like a radio hit or something, a, a literal radio hit. This is a downbeat song. And, um, you know, Lynn manuel Miranda has been flirting with an Oscar for like four years now, at least, no, like more than that. Cause Moana came out in like 2016, but, or like, I don't know. It's just odd to me that like, this is the one. And I think Encanto would have won it if it were Bruno. I don't, I don't know about this song. I liked the song a lot. I just don't know if it's going to connect to people um, who are listening to it because there a lot of, I guarantee you, most of the, the Academy does not speak Spanish. So they're going to have to look up the lyrics. And what's the likelihood that they will? Not much, I think, given everything we know about them and the way that they like, you know, the, the, the anonymous Oscar voter articles that we read every year. It's like, they don't have the time. They don't care. So <laughs> I just don't know if they're going to put in the work for that. I think it'd be lovely if it won. I think I think Lynn deserves one, certainly, for the work he's done. Um, maybe, you know, everybody watching Hamilton on Disney Plus will, will just, like, people will just see his name and, like, automatically put it down. But I don't know if the song is quite strong enough. Because I think the – it's not, like, that interestingly constructed uh, musically – or, and the lyrics are good, but I don't know. It's just not, it doesn't have the sort of pop um, and uh, memorability of like any of the others, a lot of the other songs in that film and a lot of the other songs in this category specifically. Yeah, I'm, you know, <laughs> shocked by the choice to, from Disney to submit this song. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know whose ultimate decision it came down to, whether it was Lynn or Disney or um you know whatever but it's just funny because it's like like you know lynn wants an oscar he's going to get an oscar if it's not this Mm -hmm. year it'll be you know he's gonna be it's a matter of time yeah he's going to be arriving to every oscar ceremony until he gets one and realistically (laughs) probably even after that like he's like Mm -hmm. you know he he has cemented himself as one of like the foremost entertainers of you know Hollywood basically but like it's just funny because it's like this song that got nominated lovely works very well in context yes um, which I wish voters would sometimes consider a little bit more um versus Mm. just like overall song but like you know I've said it before on the pod I am like deeply a geek when it comes to Hamilton um in terms of like how much I loved it and everything love it and everything and um as a songwriter like for musicals lynn's strengths to me at least has always been like the way he's able to in many of his best songs like take multiple different song threads and weave them all together into like one 
you know, incredible bit of music. And I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, nonstop from Hamilton and things like that. And it's like, um, or um, uh, 96,000 from In the Heights and everything. And it's like, mm. you know, those are his, some of his best, most interesting work. And I'm like, we don't need to, we, we don't talk about Bruno is that song in, in Canto. And I'm just like, you know, not, giving it the award feels like or not not so much that because you know we can't do anything about what got submitted but like giving him an oscar which he so clearly wants so badly for the song that feels like not representative of what his skill is just it feels so like i'm like oh like what a like you know a bummer (laughs) in a weird way not that you know he's like he's an oscar to validate how talented he is and all the awards (laughs) he got but also i'm like you know, it, it'll be the completion to his EGOT, and I'm like, oh, I want that to be, like, something that feels more like a, this is a Lynn manuel Miranda Oscar, and I'm like, yeah. you know, I wouldn't begrudge it, but I am just sort of like, alright, that's like, it would feel random. It's and, his Butterfield you know, 8. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're gonna just mention that movie all the time until, like, a year from now, people get the context. In it's our, like, so, it's like soft marketing for our next season. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, it just, you know, uh, we're going to see him at the Oscars year after year. I'm like, just just hold off, voters. It's fine. Like, um, he'll, he'll get there. And then um, let's let chaos reign. Um, <laughs> we got to talk about uh, Diane Warren coming through to um, get her latest nomination uh, for Best Original Song. I like I admire the bit of Diane Warren where it's like, y'all didn't give me my Oscar <laughs> for like, like she's like, you didn't give me my Oscar for like the genuinely iconic songs I wrote. So I'm for like, for major films. So I'm just yep. going to pick the most cursed movies to, to do a song <laughs> for and make y'all watch them because the shit we've had to watch in the past oh few my years in this podcast because she got nominated. Insa- insane. Um, and this year, that movie is Four Good Days, which premiered at Sundance 2020. This movie is older than the COVID pandemic. No. Um, <laughs> and, um, and it premiered at Sundance without this original song. And when it was picked up, it was added after the fact. And I don't know. I kind of think that should not be able to qualify. Oh, but my God. Here, here we are. Marissa, do you want to tell the listeners what Four Good Days is? Just we've, we've never mentioned it before. And, yeah, and we never will it. again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Four Good Days is the kind of film that I just thought would get lost in Glenn Close and Mila Kunis' IMDb. I remember getting a PR email for it and being like, well, that's, a, um, that's one of those that's been on the shelf for a couple years, huh? Um, it's a, a horrible movie about um, uh, drug addiction starring Glenn Close um, as a mom of Mila Kunis, who is, has been in rehab like 14 times, I think it is, um, and has relapsed every time, well, obviously. Um, and then she comes to her mother again saying, like, I, I need to get clean. Please help me get clean. But they have to wait four days for her to get this shot that will um, – not uh, that will basically not allow her to um uh like feel the effects of the drug she's she's been on um but they have to wait a couple days so that it's out of her system because it'll kill her if it doesn't or if she gets the shot before it's out of the the drugs are currently or if, if the drugs are still currently in her system um 
this has nothing to do with the music, um, honestly. The music, I, I actually shut it off before the music came on and then had to go back to the film to be like, where is it? I mean, I knew it was in the credits, I suppose, but like, you know, um, I, just, I completely forgot why I was watching it. I was like, Jesus, that was offensive. And then was like, oh, right, I got to listen to that thing. Um, that said, I do think it is a probably the best Warren song that we've had to listen to for this podcast. <laughs> I, like lyrically it's good Reba McIntyre sings the shit out of it it's a if I didn't know what it was and realistically it doesn't have anything to do with the film anyway so who cares like I would be like that's a damn fine country song I'm surprised Reba did something like that late in her career it's a good song if it were divorced from this shitty movie that's deeply offensive and 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 bad for everyone involved I think I'd like it. I would have liked it a lot. I like country music. I listen to it all the time. But it, it is <laughs> it is hard to separate it from the shitty movie that it's involved with. Uh, but I honestly wouldn't be angry if it won because I think it would just stop <laughs> Diane Warren from doing this to us. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have to we don't negotiate with terrorists, but maybe we should start. <laughs> I mean, I'm just terrified. What comes next? if she listen she turned in a really good song for this shitty movie so what if if we don't do it now what is her next step i don't know if we want to live in that world it's just you know i i did hear the song while watching the film because (laughs) the third act of the movie is so tasteless and like god it's offensive like borderline torture porn where Mm -hmm. i was like sitting on the couch like wow (laughs) like after it ends in like that was that was a lot and then the song started and i was like oh okay like this is the song and like yeah it's a good like it's a good song um you know reba is a professional um uh you know she's trish we have to bring up barb and star at some point and you know we we love and respect uh trish trish the um the the sea spirit or something like that and um uh you know i I wouldn't begrudge this this win to be honest because yes like just let's just give it to Diane Warren please like it's like <laughs> it's been so long and there's not it's not like there's a clear like this must win pick this year where I'm like here just give it to her and you know you were mentioning how you'd sort of embrace the chaos if Van Morrison won of like this year is such a weird year because the academy is having an identity crisis and i'm like you know what like let make it oscar winner for good days because i um like just the chaos of that moment would be so so deeply funny to me and um curse this is this is a cursed year this is like (laughs) it goes four good days oscar winner and then minamata (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um yeah i would i would be absolutely because i mean again, honestly if i'm ranking these songs like in terms of what i would choose to listen to yeah. again like th- this is probably two or three to be honest like it's like i agree i agree you know what a what a year P- people don't watch four good days but, no um but, well you, you know. watch it just turn on the credits <laughs> yeah Read the Wikipedia summary. Get, like that's if you want to know what happens, read that. It's it'll save you time yeah. and not make you have to watch human suffering for two hours. Um, okay. Um, other songs. Uh, well, actually, so 
What do you think's winning? Because I, I guess I'm going to go with no time, no time to Die. I think it feels like, you know, they want to give it to another Bond film, and Billie Eilish is the sort of person that they would want to give an Oscar to. What, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think it's going to be Billie. I mean, awards bodies love her. The the Grammys love her, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is because of the, the strength of her and Phineas' um, musical production skills. Granted, there may not be as much appreciation for that in the wider voting body. However, realistically, everybody in that academy knows who Billie Eilish is, especially if they have a kid. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I, I, I can see it happening. And good for her, honestly. Um, other nominees that we'd like, we would have liked to have seen. Um, I have a handful. What about you? How, how many? Do you have? You have some? I have one. It's uh, you know, Edgar's Prayer, the Seagull and the Sand Song. From, Hell um, yeah! From Marvin Star, our favorite movie of the year. Realistically, <laughs> I mean, it's like, did any other song have the impact to me? No, not not at all. Realistically. Barb and Star is a masterpiece and it is unappreciated. And that, that moment, I mean, listen, the whole, realistically, you could, you could argue many of the musical numbers in that, that, that movie could, could be allowed. The one about the hotel, perfect. It is a perfect musical number. I, everything I want from musical. Um, but Seagulls in the Sand is the, well, I mean, that's what I'm going to call it because that's the line, um, <laughs> is so funny such a star moment for Jamie Dornan, who really before that I thought was not a, an interesting actor I ever cared to see again. Um, fully rehabs his career in the, in the span of a single song. The lyrics are so funny. It's mm-hmm. great. I love that stupid song. It, that movie is perfect. Everybody watch it and like enjoy how good that song is. If, if, the, if the Academy had any integrity, they would have nominated that song. It's... It's brilliant. I think about the line, now I'm twirling like a baby ballerina who's digging a hole with the force of his speech. That's, it's, it is one of the greatest things ever written, to be honest. Like, that, that movie is a work of art. Um, I, have nothing, I have others that, like, don't warrant as much attention as um, you know... It would have been lovely to see any of the songs from Annette make it in here because Annette is like mm. a a truly like a once in a lifetime sort of viewing experience. That being said, I think many Academy voters probably threw their screener at the wall. The minute you know what? All showed up. <laughs> I think they watched the, the the song that should have been nominated is so we, so may we start, which is the first song, and they all saw that because I know they sat through that part, but it's like ten minutes in they stopped. So it is weird that it didn't that didn't get nominated because that's a good song. That's a really it's good so song. So good, so good. And then um, uh, I would say there was a brief period where we thought that there was a chance that Beyonce and Jay Z would be nominated in the same year because Jay Z mm-hmm. did the music for um, "The Harder They Fall," particularly uh, a song called "King Kong Ride 'Em," and um, that's a great song that opens the film. Uh, uh, would have loved to have seen it. I think that movie is really, really fun. I, and, um, you know, like, just this category is such nonsense anyway, where I'm like, <laughs> let, like, let fun shit like that happen. Like, let, let Jay-Z get nominated for a song that, like, from, like, the opening credits to a Netflix action movie uh, so that we could have the coolness of, like, oh, Beyonce and Jay-Z nominated at the same time. Um, but, you know... I hate this category. I think it's stupid. We should just, <laughs> we should get rid of it. But that's just me. Um, um, you know, 
that wraps up this episode. Uh, I guess we want four good days to win for the chaos of it all. I, I think and, we do. <laughs> yeah, I think we do. Uh, D- Diane, like, listen, we're on your side because we don't we don't know what else you're capable of. Listen, and... she sh- they should have given it to her, to her for burlesque, and she's been punishing them ever since. It's true. It's true. I mean, like, I thought having Rita Ora perform the song from oh. Beyond, the, Beyond the Lights was the lowest we've gone, but it's she's Ooh. she's gone lower, and um, here we are. So, on that note, um, you'll be hearing another episode of us from us tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, Marissa, where can people find find you online? Um, find me on. <laughs> Find me listening to the credit song that plays over the hating game over and over again this year on all um, Letterboxd at Marissa Carpico. That's also uh, at Marissa Carpico is me um, everywhere on social media. You can also find me on um, uh, the popbreak.com. Perhaps I will have reviews going out. Um, who knows? It's tough to say around this time of the year. It's also an election year. I am struggling to survive. Um, yeah, that's where I am. And you can find me on Twitter at MattNightMatthew1 or Letterboxd at Matt T. Um, All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.